When creating an exit strategy, business owners can't just account for the health of their books. They also must consider the health of their brand. Financials say a lot about an organization, but public awareness can mean the difference for a company that sells and a company that sits. I've known the talented PR team at HKA for many years, and I've seen firsthand how marketplace visibility equals marketplace value. If your brand needs a boost, contact the marketing communications experts at HKA by calling 714-426-0444 or visit them online at www.hkamarcom.com. Hi, this is Bill Black from the Exacoach Radio Show. Last year, a business owner friend of mine died suddenly and tragically, and his family was unprepared. In his honor, I'm giving away 1,000 of my ebooks entitled Business Continuity Five Steps to Protect Your Family Free. All you have to do is text the word family to 44222. That's family to 44222. Don't let your family be the victim of an unplanned business. Text family to 44222 for this free information today. Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And don't miss our one-minute Exit Coach tip of the day on ExitCoachRadio.com. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. I'm very excited about our lineup today. We have a substantial number of guests on the show. We do have a great lineup, and I want to get right to it, but I do want to remind you that we have interviewed over 500 advisors, authors, and thought leaders on over 30 topics, and you can find and listen to any of them at any time on ExitCoachRadio.com. Just look for our audio library. My first guest today is Dean Roberts. Uh, Dean is retired, but he has repurposed himself, and we're going to talk about that because it's a topic that a lot of us are concerned about. What do we do after we're done with with what we you know what we call retirement, where, where we move into that phase where we're doing something different, we're having to relearn what to do on a day to day basis, and uh, Dean has retired from a manufacturing um, industry, and now he's retraining himself. So let's get right to it. Dean, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Hi, thank you. How are you today? Yeah, it's going good. Good, good. So, Dean, before we get uh, into the the topic of retraining yourself, tell us a little bit about about you and your working history and uh, and just just fill us in. uh, What have you been up to over the last many years? Well, I had a pretty slow start. I grew up in Brooklyn and Queens, New York. And I did very poorly in school. I uh, had a bad attitude, and by age 16, I was thrown out of high school. And um, my career plans at that point were to join the Navy and see the world, and that didn't turn out very well either because I, all I was, I was only stationed in the state of Maryland on three different duty duty stations. Small and, world. Uh, yeah, right. And in '61, I joined my father in a steel wool dye business. He was. Um, we were doing around $20,000 that first year that I went to work with him. And by 19, 15 years later, uh, he retired and we had be, uh, started doing uh, die cutting for other manufacturers. And shortly thereafter, we started to manufacture a product line. And uh, we had cre- uh, bird houses, bird feeders, but we came out with a dollhouse. And it really took off at a trade show I did in Dallas. 
so we started to make a, a line of dollhouses, and within five years, we were doing about $4 million in sales, and uh, we had about 40 people working at Greenleaf. Fantastic. So that, uh, yeah, it was, it was a real rush because we did that one year, 35 trade shows. My wife and I hardly ever saw the factory. We were just going from one show to the next. So that progressed uh, pretty well for about 15 or, yeah, I guess 15 more years. And then my son and daughter took the business over, and I bought a 18-foot Prowler fifth-wheel trailer and spent a couple of years roaming around the United States. And that's pretty – that's – the majority of what's in that book are just journal entries from that period in my life. And the project's the same. The background is different. I had all my life wanted to create a, uh, create the strength to be able to have whatever kind of experience I choose to have, no matter what's going on in the background. And I'm still working on that project. That's where the fix my head before I'm dead comes in. Well, tell me something. How old were you when you, when you turn the business over to the children? Uh, 57. And at that point, were, were you ready to check out and just kind of had enough and wanted to, wanted to see the world? What, were you, what was your thought process at that time? Well, I had traveled a whole lot before that because we did trade shows in Milan and Tokyo and all right. other, a lot of other destinations all over the world. No, I basically wanted to focus on this project of tra- retraining myself to uh, have a great experience. I mean, I was depressed, not at that point so much, but I was suffered from depression and I was angry a lot. And um, I, I wanted to, and I, and I really feel that I've completed, almost completed that project. Yeah, and a lot of people get to that point where they think, you know, uh, this is going to be great, I'm going to have all this freedom, but then they realize I really didn't have much thought out and planned for for that stage of my life did you did you feel at that point like you were you were fulfilled for a little while and then it just wasn't enough or where were you at oh absolutely absolutely i uh i had this vision of becoming a, a, a teacher uh and lecturer about the possibilities of life to help people see that they don't have to work for somebody they don't have to walk around angry, and they don't have to be uh, – they can take control of their life. They can become the directors, you know. They don't have to be at effect. They can be the cause. And mm-hmm. uh, this book is my first small step in that direction. I've, on an individual basis with friends and friends' kids, tried to be a mentor and coach as much as anybody would listen to me. Um, and that's the, that, that was the purpose when I left the business, and it's still my uh, main focus in, in my, the rest of my life, whatever that is. Now, in your experience, what do you see as the most important thing someone can do to continually improve their life? No question that they need to set aside a certain amount of time every day to study, uh, study how to how to control your 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 mind, study your vocation, whatever that is. Because all we can do is what's uh, enabled by the skills that we have and the knowledge that we have and our motivation to use them. And they need to increase that circle of knowledge. Ayn Rand had a quote that I read many years ago that really made that very clear to me. She said, live to the limit of your knowledge and expand your knowledge to the limit of your life. And I still spend an hour, an hour and a half every morning studying old books. I'm not really even learning anything new. I'm trying to remember the things that I know when I need to know them. And Mm -hmm. that. That is the work of life, really, and making a bunch of money is a good thing if you use it properly and you don't take it too seriously. 
And that's so, that's mm-hmm. part of taking care of yourself. So so creating your own kind of a study curriculum is is important. So uh, exploring it could be exploring anything you're interested in, but just uh, teaching it like you're you know like you're you you have the quest for knowledge and and you're pushing every day to learn a little bit more um, just as a habit. Is that is that what it boils down to? You put you put it well. That's exactly what I'm saying. Okay, and so uh, what books have had the greatest impact on on your life? Um, I've read Think and Grow Rich oh, probably 25 times. That's by Napoleon Hill. It's really a classic. I think there's over 25 million copies been produced over the years. And he organizes um, a plan, a system of accomplishing particular ends. It doesn't have to be money. It could be anything that you want it to be, but getting enough money is a good place to start. And the second book was uh, Marcus Aurelius's Meditations, which is I started reading in the 60s, and I still read a little bit of it every morning. Do, do you think that um, uh, most business people um, spend too much time focusing on their business and not enough on their life plan for especially if they're getting into a, an age frame where they're, they're starting to say I'm gonna I'm gonna sell or I'm gonna transition out um, do they are they too mired into their business do you think it happens to people you get all involved in the, I mean for years I was I, I felt that it was running me and I wasn't running it the, the that's a danger because you don't you know you kind of lose a certain portion of your life doing that but you know what? If that's what it takes to fix the money thing, then it's worth it because I can look back at all those, you know, that some time that I just was day and night working for, you know, 15 hours a day sometimes. And, okay, I was young. I could do it. And it and it paid off. Mm-hmm. But balance is always – you always want to find balance in your life, whatever stage. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's, there's a lot of exercises people I've heard of that people say, you know, think about the – First thing that you can remember in your life, way back in your childhood, if you can, that you the first thing you ever thought you wanted to do or be, and that might be what your passion uh, is, you know, <laughs> that you explore. <laughs> There'd be a lot of that, firemen out there, wouldn't there? <laughs> you no, know, it sounds great. Yeah, that's right. My grand, my we got a new grandson just last year, and we took him on a tour of the firehouse. He was all excited about getting a fireman's hat. Yeah, I don't. That's that's a real. I never heard that, but that really is a good thing to. But you know, I don't know if it, it, get, having a passionate career. I, I mean, is great. If you want to be an artist and you can make a living being an artist, that's great. But I really think it's it's so important that that skill to be able to operate in the marketplace and to be able to provide for yourself enough money so that money is not a problem. And then you can be passionate about anything you want if you've got enough money, you know. And if you can find something to be passionate about and make a bunch of money, that's great. I mean, that is the absolute best possible scenario. You know, a lot of people I talk to, they get to a point where they're, they're – as a matter of fact, I have a good friend of mine who just retired from his business. He's, he's put in his 30-plus years, um, and he says the first week was the hardest. I mean, he was busy, but he had this, this gnawing feeling of guilt that he ought to be – Doing something right, productive. <laughs> Does, what what advice I could you give someone like problem. that? 
Well, I don't know. Get it, do something. Go for a long walk. Yeah. Exercise. Okay, if he's if he's got time on his hands, really work on a health thing because uh, optimum the optimum vitality that you can bring up from a good diet, a lot of exercise, enough water, enough sleep. Um, is you know there's whole different levels to live on, and I spent a lot of years living on a very very substandard level of vitality. So if you got some time on your hands, go to the gym or don't go to the gym. Go for a long walk. Uh, take up a sport. Do yoga. I practiced yoga for 35 years, and I, I think that anybody who doesn't is probably making a mistake. It's a it's a, um, a, a mind body training that will help you all day long. Great stuff. So what are some of your favorite quotes in the books that you've read and what would you like to share with listeners? A book that I, another book that I reread all the time is um, The Master Game by Robert DeRope. He, um, one particular line really has helped me a lot. He says, by skillful means, one can be comfortable even in hell. And the work of my life is to then to create that skillful means so somebody can so whatever comes up, I'm just a center of calm and peace and I'm just gonna figure out the best solution and, and move forward with love and compassion for everybody. And skillful means. Let that that word that just that two words. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it gives me goose pimples even now as I say it to you. Yeah, there's those are very powerful words. Skillful means and that could that can go very deep and it just it just uh it goes to the, you know, the, the, no problem is insurmountable, but you have to give it, uh, getting a skill takes time and effort to think and, and really uh, get to know what you're talking about. And then means just means working it, right? Yeah, absolutely. You said it perfectly. And another so, uh, line that, mm-hmm. yeah. oh, sorry, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Robert Service wrote a lot of poems. I don't know if you've read it, but one one poem in particular, it was The Cremation of Sam McGee. And this I read really young. I, I was, uh, it, he said, a promise made is a dead unpaid. And over the whole course of my life, when I was getting ready to wimp out on something I told somebody or say, ah, oh, they don't even remember that, or uh, I would, that my line would flash into my mind. And I'd say, either that or death. I said I was going to do something and I'm going to do it. And uh, that's a power. That's a, uh, when somebody, when, and it gives people confidence in you. You know, you say, okay, tomorrow, tomorrow's a real thing. It'll happen. And, and what I said will happen. So if mm. people can, especially young people, can come to that realization that talk, is, talk isn't cheap. It's all we have to communicate with people. Promise made is a dead unpaid. Yeah, and we're, we're really in, moving into a, an age here where, so much communication is surface level communication. You know, there's the, you know, we all miss the, the, the handshake is my bond kind of thing. My word is my bond kind of thing. And, uh, uh, that's, that's an interesting quote. So tell us a little bit more, um, about your book. Um, uh, what is the title again? I'm sorry. Uh, I'll fix my head before I'm dead. And it's, <laughs> it just okay. chronicles about a 10 year period. Yeah, I guess a 10 year period uh, starting when I had that trailer when I, t- when I uh, turned the business over to my kids and took off. And the first part's just a very brief uh, a biography of uh, all the uh, mistakes I made for the first 30 years. Okay, so so you you got to this point where, where you, you worked in this business hard and it sounds like you had family members 
kind of coming in and getting involved. You traveled with your wife a lot to trade shows. You guys worked really hard at this. And so what was, uh, give us, don't give away the book, but what was wrong with your head? Oh, everything. I was 220 pounds. I was uh, smoking cigarettes and drinking a couple six-packs every day. And, uh, I, and there was a cathartic moment. And it was sometime in the 67, 68 area. I, had, uh, I also had asthma. And I was using about every two weeks, I would use up one of these ISO medihalers. So I woke up in the middle of the night. I had, like, this particular night, I had some kind of chronic bronchitis that I couldn't even lay down to sleep. I would just choke. So I was sleeping in a dining room chair. I woke up, and I took a couple of hits on a metahaler so I could breathe again. Then I lit up a Winston. And and I was sitting there, and I was coughing, and and all of a sudden, it was like the lights in the house went on. I just can't live like this anymore. If I continue, I will be dead very soon. And at that point, I had a wife and two fairly young kids, a house, a mortgage, and not not two weeks of reserve money. So that next morning I woke up, I broke the pack of cigarettes up, and I got some books on. Um, Carlton Fredericks wrote a lot of books. He was he published a magazine called uh, Prevention. And I started subscribed to that. I started reading his books. I stopped smoking. I started to exercise. And um, a very within a year, it was a very different thing. I still wasn't eating very well, but I was eating qualitatively better than what I had been doing. So that was your wake, so that, awakening point, right? That's that's where people say, okay, this is this is it. <laughs> this is it. I'm, I've hit it. That or death, you know. <laughs> there was no, no no middle ground there. And and from there, you you started uh, you started realizing that things have to change, things have to have to get better. And uh, what were some of the first steps that you did? Did you seek out help, or did you did you just say this is uh, somehow uh, uh, I, this, I, the, uh, the switch is flicked? Looking back, I got to say that it's so much of what you get in life is just almost dumb luck. The uh, oil, the, the Arab oil crisis came along right at that, just around that same time, and it enabled me to take. I was commuting about an hour. Uh, I lived in Carteret, New Jersey, and I drove to Brooklyn every day, and I started to take the bus, and that was really a, a windfall because I had a lot of good books that I had started to buy, and I really turned. I had three, three and a half hours study time every day. And with that and the, and the new vitality that came out of taking care of myself, then things started to happen in my life. Yeah, well, a lot of people, you know, the, they, they flick the switch, but like New Year's resolutions, uh, by March, things are back. So how did, <laughs> how did you here, – here's a big question. How did you sustain – it sounds like you're a person who's uh, figured out discipline and habits – how did you sustain at that point when you thought, you know, because uh, you a lot said of the magic word that. there, you said the magic word habits, create strong habits, our habits rule and create our destiny. And it, 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 I don't know exactly how you, you know, you, it, they say if you do the same thing for 21 days, you can create a habit. Um, I think that's a good place to start, but you got to know what the good habits are. And, uh, it's like you know what do you do? what is your life worth to you what do you want to, what do you want it to do put your shoulders back stand up and say i will not live like this anymore i can change i can motivate myself this world is a great opportunity you know there's there's such power within us and we got to turn that on and then create these habits and stick with them 
Like I like we have this little dog, and I hate to brush his teeth, and he's got a lot of tartar, and man, it it comes it drags it right out of me every morning when I say come here, pup, and it sounds stupid, but that I to turn that to keep staying with that. Uh, whenever you hate something, just so you hate it, so what? If it's good for you, do it. Well, Dean, I, I really appreciate your insights. You know, your the the book is called. I'll fix my head before I'm dead, and it's available on Amazon, Kindle, and Nook. And Dean, if someone wanted to, uh, I, I, you know, everybody needs a catalyst at some point in their life. And you know, my hope is that somebody might have listened to this and say, you know, I know I'm going to sell my business. I know I'm going to change my life. I need to start uh, developing some new habits. And I really like some of the things you talked yep. about about creating study time and purpose and creating new uh, new um, habits that will build up the rest of your life and create create character and help others. So uh, if someone wanted to get in touch with you, is there a way for them to do that that, would be, that you'd be uh, willing to share? Oh, sure. Dean at RestlessTrader.com. Restless Trader. And I would encourage anybody to, uh, that's, that's retiring to consider ways to give back. How can they, they've been lucky in life, somehow they caught on to how it works and they made money and they, they have money now. Give it back. Go work, go be a big brother. Do something every day that would empower somebody else and hopefully train some young person to avoid some of the many mistakes that, that I've made and that they've made inevitably because mistakes aren't mistakes. They're learning opportunities. Very, very great Give advice. Give it back. Yeah, get out there and help someone, and you'll forget about all that's that's holding you back and that's troubling you. So great advice, Dean. Thanks so much for joining us today. It's a real pleasure to talk with you, and I hope you have a fantastic day today. And um, I really appreciate you sharing your insights with us. A bunch of great questions. Thank you. All right, we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back after this, so please stay tuned. You're listening to ExitCoachRadio.com, the information station for age 50-plus business owners, where we're interviewing top advisors for their best tips, ideas, and precautions so you can be well-planned. We upload new one-minute tips every day. ExitCoachRadio.com. Come listen for a minute. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 